I began part one of this two-part series on New Places with God by reading from C.S. Lewis's book, The Horse and His Boy, and the beautiful, enticing disruption of Aslan as he's walking alongside Shasta in the woods. Tell me your sorrows. Well, I had another one <laughs> last week, except this time it was over the holidays. I just wanted some big book to read that would keep me from doing projects, chores, work, especially email. I was almost reading more for the purpose of distracting myself from things I knew I'd just do work. And so I picked up the full united volume of The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> And I, I read the whole thing years and years ago, but I actually hadn't read. He sat down in like chapter one, page one, in, in probably a decade. So started reading through it. Anyway, here's the moment. We're in Lothlorien, and Tolkien is describing, you know, they've lost Gandalf in the mines of Moria, and Aragorn's now the leader, and they've found refuge in Lothlorien. And now he's describing the treehouses that the elves live in, the flets, as he calls them. And you've got to go up these, tr- these ladders into these trees, and then there's these enormous, beautiful platforms, but they're dwellings, and there's lamps and lanterns, and there's lights within and lights without, and there's music and that sort of thing. And in the playfulness of God, it's just this moment where he goes, I told you so. Okay, what it was I told you so was a few weeks prior to that, I had said, Jesus, I really want to see your kingdom again. I want to see the beautiful places of the kingdom of God. Like, what's it going to look like when we're there? What's, what is it like now? I mean, it exists. I'm just not there yet, but it exists. And this other reality, this whole world. And what I saw was this exquisite picture. It was nighttime, and it was a forest. And up in the forest, in one of the larger trees, was this enormous treehouse, this dwelling, this flat that up in the trees. And I'm watching this going, wait a second, really? No, I'm making this up. And lanterns glowing, glowing from the inside, conversations taking place on the balconies around. And it was so beautiful. And it was so reassuring and, and, and so inviting. But I didn't fully buy it. And then he has me read a very similar, not exactly the same, but a very similar moment, very similar description. Mm. And then he kind of goes, I told you. And it was this beautiful, like, okay, God, okay, let, let me be more open to you showing me new things of the kingdom. Welcome back to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. John Eldridge, Stacey Morgan Snyder, Alan Arnold here for part two of a conversation. We just wanted to open up some stories and some categories and some ideas to you all. If you are, if you're longing for something new this year, you want to go some new places with God, we thought we'd share a little bit more of that today. That's so good. John, thank you for that. I am struck by that story and also how we talked last week about resting on revelation. You asking show me the kingdom. I I want to see it. I haven't seen it. And last week you opened with the horse and his boy and the question of who are you? And that pressing us in to to knowing who he is. And another way that God has opened up avenues in my relationship with him was um, bringing me to a place of asking him, who am I? 
because just in a place of of lowness and facing overwhelming failure and yet hearing i love you who who am i to you god that you would love me and that pushed me into really seeking out how the king of kings looks at me wow and that was an incredible life-changing thing, which I need to go back to. Obviously, all these things, we, we do, don't like own them. Do you them. mean mostly in Scripture? Or I mean, how did you... first in Scripture, like um, opening up Ephesians 1 and actually circling all of the places where it says, in Him, just in chapter 1, because it's how He sees us in Him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's zillions. Have fun with that. So I literally spent about two years camped out in Ephesians 1, reading it almost every mm-hmm. day. And, and asking for revelation of who am I? Because what I'm holy and dearly loved. And mm. that letting that marinate mm. in my heart. Mm. And then I'm, I moved into, um, you're all familiar with Neil Anderson, and he has at the back of his book this Who Am I in Christ? And, and it's a big old long list, which then is based, backed up with scripture, which you can look up. Yes. And, and I am loved. I am loved. I am chosen. I am significant. I am forgiven. Yeah, on and on. It's so rich. On and on and on and on and on. And to really marinate my heart in the scriptures and in the truth and to ponder it and to meditate on it and stay with it. And I need to go back to that. But who am I, God? Mm. And then you began to get some personal things in that too. Exactly. In addition, scriptures were filling your heart. Right, right. But then it's moving into who am I personally? Okay. I know you love everybody, but what is it exactly about me? You know, yes. He is an extravagant God. He wants yeah, to tell us so because we're all made uniquely mm-hmm. and there's specific things about us. And so it really is amazing to go ahead and ask, you know, a little shyly, but with anticipation, mm. do you have any special words just for me? Yes. And he does. Yes. yes. And they came to you through movies, mm-hmm. came to you through Words from God. Uh-huh. Through books, through paintings, through other people, through gifts. Like he's mm. he was he's pretty great about mm. that. Mm. Okay. Can I just do a quick little pause here? Paintings. Like gang has art ever been a category through which you allow God to speak to you? Henry Nowen has a beautiful book called The Return of the Prodigal Son, and it's entirely based on a long disruptive relationship he had with Rembrandt's painting, The Return of the Prodigal Son, mm-hmm. and, and now and would sit before it and let God speak to him through it. So, I mean, this is just a footnote, but talk about a whole other category, art, visual art, and, and allowing God to speak to you through it. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was flipping through a to your thing about who I am, Jesus, mm-hmm. and he'll use that. And I was flipping through a Western art magazine, and I was absolutely arrested by this painting. It's desert, it's vast, it's open country. There's only one figure in the painting, and it's this wild horse. And, and I was just absolutely captured by that. And, and I'm like, Jesus, that looks like you. And, and Jesus goes, yeah, it kind of looks like you too. Mm. And, and just letting him, mm. letting him speak yes. through yes. art. Uh, it's John, that's a great example because in, I wouldn't have ever considered myself a person that appreciates art. It's just not on 
you know, my radar until 1996. I found myself in Europe for the first time and just gave my life over to God and had all sorts of addictions that I had to to remove myself from. And I was in the London Art Gallery. First time I'd ever been in an art gallery, had never studied fine art. And I found myself in front of this painting of the stoning of Stephen. And it just stopped me. The entire painting is very dark. And, and there are people that are stoning Stephen, but it's very demonic. You can, it's almost like they've just been manifesting the yeah. demonic. And Stephen's face is alive with light. And I was sitting in front of this piece of art, and I had never been moved by art before. And his eyes were so fixed on heaven oh. that he was unaware of the abuse around him or the scandal. Mm. And I remember mm. as a young man being so supernaturally caught up in that painting going, that's what I want. Mm. That's what I want. And it's interesting that you name that now because I'm just connecting a couple dots. I was in a church teaching last year, um, which is an odd sort of thing. We don't we don't normally teach in churches very often. And, and the, but the Spirit led me and and it's a Sunday morning, and it's a mega church, wild deal, wild worship. It's it's all unique. It's not exactly your vibe. Not exactly. <laughs> but you're there. But I'm there. Because and God asked you to. Because I love God, and I love these people, and I want to walk with Him. And I was distracted by many things, but there is a cross on top of this church in the sanctuary that was lit up. And I, all of a sudden, was just affixed by it. And I could feel God's presence and his delight because just a part of me had become like Stephen in that moment where he just said, you'll, you'll do anything for me. Mm. Like, and you're with me and I'm with you. And I could feel his power. Mm. I could feel his pleasure. Like it says in Psalm 27 in the Passion Translation, his pleasure, his portion, his prize. Like in that mm. moment, God was my pleasure my portion, my prize. And it's not all the time, but in that moment, there was union. And the whole point is, I would never consider myself a fine arts student. And yet, out of thirst for God and a willingness to get out of the box in college, I found myself exploring, going, well, I've never done this before, but God, you're the author behind it all. And so perhaps you could say something. Mm -hmm. And it's affecting me now, you know, over two decades later. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's good. And, you know, through story, I used to be a publisher and and I was always drawn to story and to movies. But what I'm realizing is sometimes it's not the whole book or sometimes it's not the whole movie. Mm. Sometimes it's 30 seconds in something where you watch it and you tear up mm -hmm. and you find yourself slayed really by a scene or a phrase or a, a conversation. And the rest of the movie may be okay, mm. but... But God will speak to us even when I think the creators of those stories don't know what they're talking about. So stay with it. Stay with it, right? Because the thing that happens, Alan, I'm just aware right now this happened to me last week watching the film Darkest Hour, the new Churchill film. Incredibly moving moment, incredibly moving scene. But then the rest of the movie goes on and then you go out to your car and then you got to go get to dinner and you know, you, you got to let the dog out and do all the things you do. Go back to it. Like that was Nowen's secret with the return of the prodigal son is he kept going back to that paint. He deliberately and intentionally made the choice to put himself in front of what had brought him to tears and he didn't know why. And so you're right. It's often just a 
a scene, mm-hmm. a word, mm-hmm. a, a line from a song, right? But then we just go on. Well, with now and one of the things he realized, and that that's one of my favorite books, and he talks about at one moment, and this is after he had sat in front of that painting probably 10, 12 times, he realized the hands of the father, one hand is very um, rough, and you could see the veins, masculine, and the other hand on the prodigal son was very feminine and yeah. soft. And so he would start to see from that God's softer side, his loving embrace, his tenderness, as well as his masculine fathering. This is so fun. Okay, God's even in this podcast because all these associations. So last year, Stacy and I were looking for something to share together. We were looking for a PBS series or something we could enjoy, and we locked on to the Netflix series, The Crown, right? About Queen Elizabeth's reign and, and how as a child, and then she comes into the throne and her father passes away and we were watching the crown okay here's the here's the now in connection here i'm watching the crown and young elizabeth the, the woman who plays the role in 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 the series looks a lot like my mother as a young woman my mother was a very strikingly beautiful woman as a young woman and it was very disruptive it was that it was that feminine hand on one side of because suddenly i'm like mother and mother associations and all this. And honestly, I had never invited God there. Mm. Like, Father, you betcha. Jesus, you betcha. Holy Spirit, you betcha. But mother and the mother heart of God and mother wound in me. And it's not just wound, mother vacuum in me, mother abyss in me that needed tending to. I'm watching a Netflix series. It's the it's the crown. It's it, and and but God's in it, and suddenly there's this moment where it's no longer about the crown. Jesus is like, "Hey, you want to go there?" And, and so it's this invitation, like now and when he saw the more feminine hand for him and needing to go into some of that territory. But John, to your point, I think that you have to pause because if you don't, like you said, you leave the movie, you go to your car. Life goes on, yep. and God had broken through the fog, yes. but it's gone. Stay with it. Yeah. Go back to it. Go dig it up again. I remember an old saint was giving some counsel to me at one time, and and he was talking about that when God withdraws thing, that yes. phenomena. And mm-hmm. when you suddenly, you're like, you didn't do anything wrong. You, you haven't committed some egregious failure. It's just that God doesn't feel near anymore. And I'm like, what do you do with that? And he said, well, what was the last thing God said to you? Mm. Go back and pick it up from there. Mm. <laughs> well, the funny wow. thing was, was like, I, I couldn't tell you. I had no idea mm. what the, I had to go back in my journal. I had to go back in prayer. I had to go back in my memory so and find it. And it was such a simple piece of counsel uh, of like, we'll just go back to the last thing. Mm. What was the last thing the two of you were working on together or that, or that pricked your heart or that, you know, that stopped you in a song or a movie or any, like where was the last point Mm. of contact? And what I appreciate, John, about what you're saying, giving the example of the mother, you're naming that God opened up a category that was completely new, but then there's the deep work of exploring your story and unpacking the implications, getting the healing over time, getting the deliverance, breaking the agreements that you have against worthiness of love and belonging, all sorts of things associated with the mother. So it's like God can come and have that moment of epiphany. And we think that was the whole 
deal. And then we just race to the next thing when there's so much treasure to pause and say that was simply the doorway into a whole new reality of his kingdom. So many rich invitations coming. Let me give a couple of other examples of the way this may come to you in the ways that it's come to us, to to Stacey and I, is like her story that she told last week about women who are in this day retreat and experiencing worship and prayer from a woman. We would hear stories. You run into someone, maybe an old friend, maybe it's somebody new at church. You, You hear a story. You hear it on the Ransomed Heart podcast. Somebody says, yeah, I was in counseling and God did this in my life and you've never been in counseling, and you're kind of afraid of it. And you're like, "Eh, I don't know. But there's something that goes, "Ah." like you you see the life in their eyes. You see the fruit of it, right? And being enticed in that direction. Or someone told us a story of going to receive healing prayer, not physical healing prayer, inner healing prayer, emotional healing prayer. And that was a brand new category for us. And I'm like, what? Like that exists? And who does that? And It was hearing someone else's story that was both disruptive and enticing. There's a little bit of, oh, man. Because the thing is, when somebody starts telling you stories of a rich worship experience or a hearing God experience, the diminishment wants to rush in. Mm. And you go, well, you don't have that. You know, I don't have that. I'm I'm not as spiritual as they are or whatever. Okay, remember the story of Jesus where he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who brings out of his house new treasure and old. Your old treasures are treasures. Everything you've had with God so far is an absolute treasure. Do not let it go. Do not diminish it. It's just the invitation to more. And the invitation to something new doesn't diminish the old. Mm. I'm just naming that because sometimes I'm hearing stories of people having these kingdom experiences or deeper things with God. And one of the places I go is, well, what's with me? How come I, How come this isn't part of my wheelhouse? What? Right, so no to that. No yeah. to that. No I love, to that. I love that you use the word enticed. I mean, God entices and he provokes. Yep. So having that experience of other people's light in their eye, I can, I get, I'm enticed and I want it, but then I'm also provoked. Like, I want that and how come? <laughs> yes. And all of it to movement towards his heart. And the discontentment of your life provokes mm-hmm. you and the frustration mm-hmm. that you have. I mean, even Alan was looking for a quick fix on some answers. It was provoking at least the opening of the dialogue, right? He will do that. Mm-hmm. He will use that. One more quick example. We heard people tell some stories of, of receiving the Sozo prayer ministry, which was a model that was birthed out of um, Bethel and Reading and has since gone global and you know, you can probably find somebody in your community that's been through the training and, and does it. And I had that twin reaction. That part of you goes, eh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that, right? But then there's also the longing for, wow, I see it in your eyes. Like that was genuinely helpful for you. So maybe in some humility and some openness before God, and so Stace and I, looked up some folks that were had a good reputation and went and saw them and received that a prayer ministry experience in humility and it was incredibly helpful because we heard someone talking about it because mm. we heard hey I read this book hey I went to this worship experience hey did you know that next week there's a something you know special night at our church on this and that part of you goes eh 
And that other part of you goes, I need more. Mm. I, I, need, I need to be open to giving that a try. John, you're naming something indirectly that I, I think I want to just say it directly as well, that you and Stacy have a history of interacting with people that seem to have some pieces of the kingdom that you go, you want more of that. And part of it is just the communal nature, the redemptive community. The more we surround ourselves with kingdom-seeking people, the more we get to see it around, the more we get to see examples and possibilities that we didn't even know was available. And, you know, someone once said that we become the three people whom we spend the most time with. Oh, that's so good. And I think the reality of this redemptive community is we all have chosen sacrificially to make a life, to surround ourselves mm. with kingdom-seeking people mm. in small groups, in missions, and in initiatives. And, and I think what I find is a lot of our listeners, they listen to these treasures in isolation, right? And they're, they're working in perhaps a corporate environment, or they're in a very secular atmosphere with their, with their children's schools. And the problem is you can't do this alone. And so what I appreciate in so many of your stories, you're referencing the association with other kingdom seekers. And I just want to name that's been essential in our personal growth. And so if you don't have it, you have to pray for it. I understand because immediately I can feel everybody's, yeah, you guys. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> you have no idea how many years each of us lived in isolation. Decades. So hang on, hang on. This, this isn't the happy little island of Christianity over here. But the slow process of praying and looking, praying and looking, who is thirsty? Who wants what I want? Finding those places, a small group, a class at church, a, a, a retreat, a counselor, a, some place to get started. So I know that that is very frustrating for many people. I don't have the fellowship or the community or the allies that I wish I had. I get it. We lived there for decades, okay? I get it. Pray for it. Pray that God would bring Pray, 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 pray. Seek it out. Start looking. Right. That may be your frontier. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe that is the. For some of you, that's the beginning place. And what Stace and I finally began to do, uh, we we began to host small groups in our home, looking for the thirsty, and people would cycle in and people would cycle out, and the people that stayed. The thirsty, we're like, okay, there's the thirsty. And the people that would cycle out and go, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, it was, uh, it was okay. That's cool. Thanks. You know, and they're on to the next thing. I, Bye. That's well, fine. Yeah. And God would highlight people too. Yeah. And in the midst of all of that, and even in our current life, when you said like three persons, I think the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, like in, in yeah. we spend the most time with the Trinity. We in times when it's dry or in times when we're lonely, in times when we're hungry, we we get to know him in ways that we didn't before mm. as friend. Yes. Mm -hmm. Morgan, you said last week about how you had a relationship with the Father. Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of, for me, I kind of, I came in through the Jesus door. I didn't know the Father very well. and But Jesus, and, and it's fun too to hear you guys talk about Jesus as friend. I know him as my bridegroom king. Hmm. 
I know him less as friend. Right. And then my own relationship with my dad, I, I wasn't really drawn to the father. I mean, I knew that he, he loved me, but I didn't think he liked me very much. And so I began to pray for a long time to know the father because you guys would talk about him with this intimacy, this this gleam, the subtleness in your souls. And so it took a while mm. to un- really pray. And then when he did begin to reveal himself as who he is, his father, oh, the love I began to mm. swim in was faster than the ocean. Mm-hmm. So that that asking and continuing to ask, I think is really important. Yeah. So gang, maybe we've tossed out a bunch of examples. We tossed out some categories of ways it might be coming to you through art or through pain or through you hear someone's story and they said they did such and such and you see the gleam in their eye and all the different ways we can be invited in. Maybe the simple thing to do here at the beginning of the year is to ask God, where are we headed? Where are we going this year? Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, where are we going this year? And stay with that. That's not, we don't just mean pray that in 22 seconds and then go on with your day. Pray it and then pray it this evening and then pray it on your way to work tomorrow and then pray it during lunch and then pray to get, you know, like stay Mm -hmm. with that question over the course of several weeks, which give God the space and the time to begin to answer. And then it's going to pop up in a movie that you see. It's going to pop up in a story that you hear. It's, you know, you'll see the invitation. We hope this has been helpful, friends. Uh, you've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast with John and Stacy Morgan and Alan. And uh, just continuing to wish you a very happy new year and that God invites you into the riches of his kingdom this year. <laughs>